Lord, we're thankful. We're thankful people. Lord, we thank, thank you that we just sang then because of your faithfulness, sang of your faithfulness to us. We thank you that your love and love never fails. Lord, you don't fail. We can rest in your goodness. Lord, I ask that as I speak today, that your presence would be here. We rebuke every you know, evil scheme. Lord, let there be um, you know, clear, clear heaven here. Let words penetrate into our hearts today. And Lord, I ask you to help me speak. I ask your Holy Spirit would be the spirit of truth here today. Amen. Um, a few weeks ago, I spoke about, um, I was talking about resentment, and um, it res resonated with a few people, and David asked me to do a resentment number two, and I was, um, so what was in theory going to be a resentment number two will have to come later, but this is, why I call this one an unspeakable joy is, this is what you need when you're just so angry you can't speak, okay? <laughs> so whenever you have that, just remember this sermon, unspeakable joy. That's why I chose it. And, um, and why I decided to talk about joy was um, Esther led worship on um, Friday Night at Youth and she asked Connor to um, practice this song, which is an old Reuben Morgan Hill song, song about joy. And he, he spent all afternoon practicing and then he got here because it was a really hard song. I was trying to help him and then Esther said, no, I loaded the wrong one up, it's the Ren Collective one. Anyway, um, <laughs> but anyway, but that song was just sitting in my head, you know, about the joy of the Lord, joy of the Lord being your strength. That comes from Nehemiah, by the way. The joy of the Lord is your strength. And that just, when I was sleeping Friday night, that just was just, it probably wasn't going through my head all night. I don't know how that works because I was sleeping, but it felt like it was just going through my head all night. Woke up, going through my head, going through my head. Joy of the Lord is your strength. So I thought, I'd talk about joy. And then so I told Marion yesterday morning in morning prayers, People, if you're doing nothing on a Saturday morning, come to morning prayers because Marin and I are there and mum sometimes too and it's a great meeting. Anyway, and I was telling her about joy and then she goes, um, you know, I was thinking about joy and with the Queen passing away and the flag flying from the castle. She remember that old, remember that old Sunday school song, Joy is the flag flown high from the castle of my heart? And... Um, and that's all she said, but then I was just playing the song through my head, you know, flag when the king is in residence there. And I thought, what a cool line. Joy is the flag when the king is in residence in my heart. And uh, anyway, so I just thought, I'd talk about joy, talk about, we're going to talk about flags too, because that's what Marin was talking about. So that's why I put, I will raise a banner. And um, Mickey chose that great song this morning, and we're going to sing it again afterwards. Um, the second song, which I've forgotten the name, My Redeemer Lives. And the pre-chorus of that says, I'll raise a banner because my Lord has conquered a grave. So whenever, whenever you hear that song, I'll raise a banner, think flags, think joy. Okay? So that's what we're doing today. So flags, um, very recognisable. Flags are a very recognisable symbol. You know, I've chucked a few up there. You probably know what they all are. You know, Red Cross and a checkered flag from car racing and obviously a pirate flag. Very recognisable uh, symbols. In fact, flags do a lot of things. They're not just a piece of material. And remember, we're going to put this back on joy later on. So flags are recognisable, like a brand, like seeing a Macca's sign and you know you're going to get a coffee. That's, you know, flags are very recognisable. They identify you. Okay? So like the UK flags up there. A flag will identify you. 
A flag carries meaning, so they're based on meaning. Like for the UK, I don't know the exact saints, but the UK is based on three flags, which is a saint, three crosses, and it's a, um, a Scottish one, an English one, and uh, Ireland, yeah, because at the time the Wales was a part of England. So there's three flags make the Union Jack. Um, you know, boxing kangaroo, we all know. So flags carry meaning, okay? Flags also communicate. Um, these ones not so much, but um, I'll show you, well they do communicate meaning, but people use flags for communication. And believe it or not, people get very emotionally bonded to flags, which is why when you um, burn one or, like people get really uptight about that. Because, um, and they do, like you think about war, like especially older days war, if you could get to a hill and take down the flag from that flag post, that signified they were done. Like the, the lowering of a flag off a mast would, would symbolize conquering. So we've got to remember all this when we're talking about joy is the flag with the king being in residence inside. Okay? Um, so there's a, a great example of using flags to signal. Um, they do that in, on boats. You know, that's called the uh, semaphore. But there's different, there's different forms. So there's also flags they put up on strings between ma masts that mean different things as well. And so um, that's pretty cool. So Christians also have a flag. Um, I don't know if you've seen it before, but uh, if you've ever watched the Carmen video clip, you've probably seen this flag. He, he has in a couple of his. Um, and like I said, flags carry meaning okay. So not just the meaning to the person, but for, for instance, the Christian flag. It has a white field with a red Latin cross inside a blue canton. The red of the cross symbolizes the blood of Christ that was shed on Calvary, saving all who believe in him. The royal color blue represents the reign of Christ and baptism and of course heaven, which is our home. And the white represents the purity of Christ and his desire to cleanse every sinner. And of course white is a great representation of surrender. Uh, you ever seen surrender flag, right? So I mean, what a great flag. And so, um, back to that song, Joy is the flag flown high from the castle of my heart when the king is in residence there. And then the second verse goes, So let it fly in the sky, let the whole world know that the king is in residence there. So I, this is my challenge today. If people can't look at you, and if you're not letting the whole world know that a king lives inside your heart, there's something seriously wrong. Because when a king lives in here, you'll have a flag. And if you don't have a flag, I don't know. Maybe it'll be a bit like the UK. This is Buckingham Palace. And when the king is at Buckingham Palace, he flies his royal standard. And when he goes up to Balmoral, they replace it with the Union Jack. And they put this flag, the royal standard, up in Balmoral. So maybe if you can't see a flag, maybe the king isn't there at the time. Maybe he's holidaying and maybe you've got something else flying in the time being. But that's what happens at Buckingham Palace. In fact, this flag is flown wherever the king is staying, this flag flies. In fact, when the king goes to speak at Parliament, the flag is flown at the Palace of Westminster. It flies from Victoria Tower. When the Queen went to America in 1991, they got a special Cadillac. And on one side of the bonnet was the American flag, and on the other side of the bonnet was this one, the Royal Standard. Because in England, in Buckingham Palace, they fly a flag 
so you know the king is in residence there. And when he goes to Sandringham, they fly a flag so you know that the king is in residence there. And when they, he goes to Balmoral for holidays, they fly a flag so the king is in residence there. And when he leaves this place, they throw up a Union Jack. And then I was thinking more about flags and same at that prayer meeting, Marin has a little scripture beside her name and you know that if you got on Zoom prayer meetings because it's, you know, you can call yourself something. So she calls herself Marin, Exodus 17, 15. And, and Exodus 17, 15 says, Moses built an altar and called it Jehovah Nissi. The Lord is my banner. What's interesting is, the um, Bible translators translate this two different ways. So the old Septuagint people, they translated it, the Lord is my refuge. And then when the Vulgate came along, it's slightly different, like the Hebrew pronunciation is pretty similar, and they translated it, the Lord is my banner. And uh, I think that's really cool to know if you're going to raise a flag above your life. If you raise that banner, God is your refuge. And in fact, you see that, that idea in scriptures, joy and being a refuge linked together if you start reading scriptures. So joy is recognizable. It's like a brand. It's like wandering past Maccas and seeing those golden M's and knowing you're going to get a coffee. When I see your life and I know what I'm going to get, it identifies you. It tells me who you are. I can look at someone and know who they are. It symbolizes meaning. Something in that in yourself comes up on that flag, it communicates, joy communicates, and there's that emotional attachment with that too, like you have on flags. What I love about this story, this is the story of Moses, and I think Aaron and her, or two people are holding up his arms anyway, and that's where that, that's where that story comes. Right after that story, when it, they defeated the Amalekites, God said, the Lord is my banner. How cool is that? And so his arms are sort of like a flag, you know, and, and what's good about this symbolism is um, it's very practical and he had two blokes helping him. So, you know, we can help each other with joy and um, so maybe we can just dig each other along saying, uh, can't see a joy flag today, you know. <laughs> Do you want help putting that back up? <laughs> right? Well, I did it for Moses. Anyway, I'm going to give you a few scriptures about um, because we're running out of time, I'm going to give you a few scriptures about joy and then we'll wrap it up. So this is what I'm going to tell you about joy. Joy is commanded, it's not suggested. God wants you to have joy, it's his desire. It's not something humans have made up. Um, we get it when we abide in him. Uh, there's, there's a couple of sources of joy and you can grow in joy. So, joy is commanded. Philippians 4.4 4. And you've got to remember about Philippians, like if you know anything about the story of Paul, it, he was in a prison when he wrote this book. So when he's talking a lot, lot about rejoicing, he was in a far worse position than any of you are. Philippians 4.4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. This is a command. As much as a command is love the Lord your God with all your heart and you know all the other commands in Scripture, rejoicing is a command, not a suggestion. And it's God's desire for you. I love this one because it ties in exactly to what Johnny spoke about last week when he's talking about the vine and the branches. This comes straight out of John 15. 
I have told you this so that your joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. So, God's desire, he tells us things so our joy might be complete. That's his desire. He wants us to have joy. And we get it with that um, picture of the vine and the branches. The joy comes when we abide. Okay, that, that you need to listen to what Johnny said last week about abiding. And then this, the joy ties into the abiding. John 15. Sources of joy. Psalm 1611 says, You make known to me the path of life. You fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. So you find joy in the presence of God. Okay? So if you're lacking joy, if your life is a miserable, it means you're not spending enough time in God's presence. That's quite simple. So, how do you find the presence of God if you're feeling lousy? You play worship, you worship, you play worship music because God inhabits the praise of his people. So all you have, it's just like a, well don't make it like a math equation, but God inhabits the praises of his people. If you're lacking joy, you go and start playing praise and worship music. You should be playing in your house because that's where God inhabits. You should be playing in your life and when God comes and inhabits, then you find joy. So you only have to do a self audit if you're miserable and don't have joy you're probably not spending time in worship. You're probably not like playing in your house. You're, you're probably doing the Jacob thing and being on Instagram and Facebook, doing one of those non-urgent, not important things. Okay, so if you spend more time on that than in worship, you will have no joy. Simple. We're not even getting the spiritual side yet. This is just practical. Just, this is what you call truth, right? If you have no joy, you're not spending enough time worshipping, you're wasting your time on wrong things. Okay, another source of joy. So I'm just going quick so it sounds nasty. Um, <laughs> Psalm 5.11. But let, oh here's one of those verses that um, combine together, Lord is my refuge and the Lord is my joy. Jehovah Nissi, Lord is my banner. But let all who take refuge in you be glad. Let them ever sing for joy. Spread your protection over them. Let those who love your name, that those who love your name may rejoice in you. Once again, that links people who abide in Christ, people who take refuge in Christ, people who sing, who ever sing, sing on and on and on. That links them to people who get protection and to people who get joy. So if you feel like you're being attacked in your life, you need protection. So you need to spend time in the presence of God. If you've got no joy, you need to spend time in the presence of God. You're not doing it. Okay, and you can also grow joy. Psalm 118.24 says, This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. And I know this is an old scripture. We've all heard the song, This is the day, this is the day, this is the day. You know, it's gone through our heads since we're kids. Now, I know this doesn't seem like a scripture about growing joy. But the point of the scripture, and why I put it up there, is this is the day. Tomorrow isn't the day when you've got more money. You know, 10 years is not the day when your kids have left home and you've got a bit more time. Today, this is the day the Lord has made and we will rejoice in it. So if you want to grow in joy, stop thinking about tomorrow. Stop thinking that life will be better in five years. Thank God for today. And you have lots to be thankful for. And even if you don't think, I'll tell you in a minute all the things you can be thankful for, even if your life is miserable. So this is the day the Lord has made. Start 
today. Don't think about a future day. Okay? And start small. And there's a reason we start rejoicing in small things. And I'm going to get to a great parable that tells you that. But even if your life is miserable, you have to start small. And, I mean, you've got life. If you wake up, you have breath, you have life. If that's all you thank God for, that's great. Because I thank God for that. Every day I wake up, I roll over, I say, thank you, God, for life. And then I add, then thank you even more for eternal life. So you've got two right there. Even if, so if you're alive and breathing, you've got two. Start there, and I'll tell you the reason why. But, you know, I... Um, it didn't develop into anything bad, but I had a melanoma about nine years ago now, and I had to go get it um, operated on. And that completely changed my outlook on life. Because, you know, I was early 30s, and the specialist wasn't being very nice to me. He was not giving me much hope at all. I'm thinking, this is terrible. And what I felt like was my body was good to go, and I'm thinking, yeah, but what happens if something happens there, but my body's still good to go? You know what I mean? Like, it's like... In my head I felt, it's like I'm trapped. Is there another body I can get into? You know, that's what went through my head. And, um, but then I realized that every single day, so I get up thankful every single day. I just love, I love life and I, and I want to get, like I want to enjoy life because, anyway, if you do nothing else, thank God for life. And it'll grow today. Thank God for this day. Okay, here's the parable we're going to talk about, okay? Because this relates specifically to joy. Well, I don't know if it does, but it does today. So, it's a parable. It's allowed to. It's a story. It's not even like real, you know, it's, a, it's an illustration. Okay, Matthew 25, 14 to 30. So this is the parable of the talents or the parable of the giving out gold. So this is one where Master is going to go on a long journey and he gives one guy five talents or gold, whatever, and he gives one guy two and he gives one guy one, okay? And he goes away on a long journey that's an indefinite amount of time. Like, maybe like our lifespan. So, when he comes, to, when he comes back into town, he starts asking him, what, what have you done with the talents? And the one who had five says, um, oh, I've done well, I've invested, I've worked, I've worked your money basically, I've worked the talents, worked the money, I've got five more. And this is what's told him. Said, his Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. How about this line? I didn't even know it was in there. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Ha! I didn't even know it was in there. I read it this morning. So, entering the joy when we get little things and double them or make them bigger. We get, right? And then the... Um, and the same thing happened with the two. What have you done? He said, I've worked, I've used my talents, I've made two more, great. Good and faithful, faithful in little. Um, I don't know if my parents remember, but they gave me this scripture when I graduated university. Do you remember? Probably not. That was long, it was like a previous life. So, um, long time ago, decades. So, but that, that scripture of um, faithful in little, faithful in big, okay? It's, it's a big thing in scripture. If you're faithful in little, you'll be faithful in big. Okay. But the next guy, he remember he buried his talent or he buried his joy? Remember? And, um, and he came back and he, he said, you know, I'm scared of you and this, that, this. 
And this is what the Lord said to him. For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. And cast, and he cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So what God said in this parable, which we're parabolizing into joy, because he said, let, let your joy be complete, to that guy who gave ten to. Um, what we're saying is, if you're, not, if you're not growing your joy, if you're growing your joy, then you'll be blessed and you'll get more joy. But if you choose not to grow your joy, even what you have will be taken away. Okay, and we know people like this. They're just miserable. And it's because of this. It's not like we've got big joy and they've got little joy. We started with a bit of joy. Like when I had my melatoma, melanoma, I just started thanking God every day. Thank you for life. Thank you for life. And, you know, in prayers two weeks ago, I said to Marion, you know, even on the worst day, even on the day when everything's going bad and you're losing money and it's terrible, I said, we have eternal life. Like, no wonder they call it amazing grace. Like, even on the worst day, so much to be thankful for. And so our joy just keeps on going up. And, he, and the miserable bums, you know, those people are just whinge and whinge and whinge. What they had will be taken away. Done. And you know where they go? They go to the outer darkness where there'll be weeping of gnashing of teeth. And, when I sp and then I realized when I spoke about resentment like four weeks ago, I shared about that other parable of the unmerciful servant and the, the guy who was forgiven and didn't forgive. That's where he went. And I spoke about resentment being a pit of just recurring darkness. I actually used that illustration just over a month ago. And the same things in this parable for those who choose not to have joy. What they have will be taken away and they'll be sent to that ever-descending pit. And yeah, you might attribute that to hell or eternal darkness, but I can tell you that happens this life. That, and you know it because you know people who have it. We all know people who have that pit in their life. And, you know, I thought, I had a belief system, I mean, I've read that scripture before, but I always thought Luke 6 was sort of my method of giving out things. You know, given it will be given, judging you'll be judged, condemning you'll be condemned, the same measure you use will be measured back to you. And they thought, yeah, okay, better not judge, better not condemn, give. But this is like worse. This is give and you'll get more. Don't give and what you have will be taken away. It's, you don't even get to keep what you had. So resentment, this bitter pit. Remember I told you what resentment means? Re means back and again. Remember from primary school language lessons? Like replay, you know, reignite, re, 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 again and again, and repeat. And resentment comes from the Latin word sentai, is to feel. So resentment is when you're just feeling that same thing, and we attribute it to bad things, but when you're feeling the same thing over and over and over, and, and then your wife does something to you and you just feel all that anger again. And they can do something little, but it's the illustration I gave last time, it's like building a brick wall resentment is so you can be like halfway up building a brick wall and your wife does something and it just it's a little thing like a brick but because you're halfway up the brick wall it's a massive thing 
and it's just refill, refill, refill. That's resentment for you. It's destructive, it's downward spiraling, it's compounding, it increases, and, and you get it when you don't have joy. So this is why this is resentment number two, because this is the antidote to resentment. Like we need to identify resentment mainly because we need to know what part we've had in it. Like I've been thinking about it more and more when I'm talking about um, identifying resentment in our lives. It's um, in circumstances we have to deal with it, especially in the marriage, because it's like you've got that close contact all the time. But most of it, so you, so you can, like in most friendships, it's so you can identify it, so you know what part you have, have played in that, and then you do this, joy. It's the antidote to resentment, if you're wise enough to recognise it. So, even what he had will be taken away. When the Queen died, this is what happened. The royal standard was taken away. This is Buckingham Palace, same picture as I had right at the start. That's Buckingham Palace. When the Queen died, the royal standard was taken away. Even what they had was taken away, and they flew that. That's the Union Jack at half-mast. So not only was no one in residence, but there was death. And I have a feeling that there's a lot of, a lot of hearts like that. That not only is the joy flag not flying, you've got a death flag halfway up the park. Like, that's not a death flag, the Union Jack, but that's what it symbolises in that, in that picture. So not only are you not flying the flag of joy, you are going to fly a flag. There's, you know, just think of Buckingham Palace. There's no empty flagpoles. You're going to fly something. And if you're not flying joy or the royal standard, you're flying death or something else, something half-mast. But the song says, let it fly. Let the whole world know. Let it fly in the sky. Let the whole world know that the king is in residence here. That's showing there's no king in residence. The king doesn't stay there when that happens. He goes somewhere else. Charles isn't there then. Because if he was there, the flag's up, the royal standard. So, when you're so angry you can't talk, you need unspeakable joy. Let it fly. You know, Jesus said in John 12, if I'm lifted up from the earth, I'll draw all men unto myself. So Jesus himself, either even himself, his sacrifice was a banner, like was a flag, was a symbol. It communicated. It grew emotional attachment. You know, all those things I was talking about, flag, and Jesus did it himself. He was on a pole, and he said, if I'm lifted up, all men will be drawn. So, you need to, because we're Christians, you need to do the same thing, and it doesn't so we say we want to be crucified with Christ. So just like Christ went through the pain and the rejection and said, no, nah, I'm going to put my body up on that pole because it's a flag that will show to all eternity. So even if you're miserable and your life sucks, if you, if you are really a Christian and believe I will take up my cross, well, then you need to fly the flag of joy. If you've never known what it meant to be crucified with Christ, and I'm saying this is probably just a little part of it, 
First percent, do a one percenter. The first percent is fly flag of joy. Because people see it in your eyes, they see it in your smile, they see it in the way you talk, and they see it in your life. You've got to be the driver of your emotions, not the passenger. So let, let it fly in the sky, let the whole world know that the king is in residence here. And the reason you start with little things like life is in that parable, some people are given five, some people are given two, and some person only got one. That's the person who has no money, no family, bad life, and all he's got is the privilege of waking up every morning. That's your number one is. And because he did nothing with it, even what he had got taken away. So you're at least a number oneer. I know you are, because you're on this earth. So you need to start right there. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Start, if you've got nothing else, start thanking God for life. And then when that starts to make you feel better because you're going to play some worship songs and spend time reading His word and abiding in Him, then you're going to thank God for eternal life. And then you're going to start thanking God for your parents and the people of peace. You know, great families here. And suddenly you'll have two talents. Fancy that. And then you'll have four. And then you'll get to a stage where no matter happens, you, you recognise all that Christ has done. You just have to walk outside and see creation to realise what Christ has done for us. Like, you don't even have to try. Oneers don't have to even try. Just thank God for what's around you. Otherwise, what you have will be taken away. Okay? So I'm done. I still was half an hour, sorry, even though I was trying to go fast. Can you imagine how long that would have taken if I did it at normal speed? <laughs> anyway, we're going to sing My Redeemer Lives because we're going to thank God for eternal life right now. All of us right now are going to be praising and thanking God for eternal life. And guess what? That's step one. So I've given you a plan. <laughs>